Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Uh, This evening's reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, or rather is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, on page 1157. Now, about the collection for God's people... Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then, when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, They will accompany me. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you a while, or even spend the winter, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. If Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he's with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should refuse to accept him. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers. Now, about our brother Apollos. I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these and to everyone who joins in the work and labours at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus and Achaicus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you, for they refresh my spirits and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. Come, O Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. And let me say thank you so much for uh, having me back. Thank you, Paul, for uh, inviting me. It is great to be back with you. Uh, Paul was very generous and said to me, preach on whatever you like, Hugh, which I confess I find always leaves me hopeless to know what to do. But I I discover you've been doing a series in 1 Corinthians 15. You're starting a new one next week. I thought chapter 16 comes after chapter 15. Uh, Why don't we look at that tonight? And 
We are told that all scripture is God-breathed, so this will be here for a purpose for us. So as we sit, uh, as uh, you perhaps turn back to 1 Corinthians 16 to page 1157, if you've got a church Bible, let me pray and let's look at it together. Gracious God, thank you that you've given this scripture to us and we pray that tonight you will use it to us to teach us to rebuke us where we need it to correct us to train us in righteousness so that we're thoroughly equipped for every good work and we ask it in Jesus name amen well last chapters of Paul's letters can feel a bit like going out not with a bang but a whimper can't they Uh, I mean, you tend to get lists of names, one or two of them ring bells. Uh, Timothy, uh, yes, we know him. Apollos, if you've read through the letter, he's quite significant at the beginning. Aquila and Priscilla, they kind of have walk-on parts in the New Testament. Others just seem to be uh, part of a large cast of New Testament extras, some of whom test readers a little more than others. You know, Stephanus, Fortunatus, Achaicus. Store the names up for some future, future Bible trivia quiz in which you can humble the vicar and embarrass him because you know them. Uh, but for tonight, I, I want to focus on some words that they weren't addressed to any of the named players, though I think the apostle would happily write them to any of them. Uh, they're more a summary of what he's saying to this young church in Corinth. And they're the words you'll find in verses 13 and 14. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong, do everything in love. And all the commands of verse 13 are military terms. And all the commands in both verses are habitual attitudes, not one-off acts. And he says, be on your guard. And it's more than don't sleep. It's really a sort of determined wakefulness. You know, you know you're driving down the motorway and you're battling to stay awake and, and you see that sign that comes up, tiredness kills. You know, take a break. Well, off-guardedness kills in Christian living and Christian ministry, uh, either us or others. So so be on your guard. Guard yourself morally. Oh, it's the kind of thing I know we say to youngsters, but you don't get safe as you get older. One of the sadnesses I've noticed is is people in their 40s, 50s and more who've drifted away and gone off the rails. And sometimes it's begun with the, the, the children heading somewhere they would have said was wrong, but all of us find it so painful to say it's wrong when our children are there. And it's moved from there. I remember the last, uh, not the last years, but the last days actually of uh, John Stott, the, the most famous predecessor, I suppose I've, I've got it all souls. Uh, as John uh, got frailer and frailer, I m- remember visiting him 
when he was in bed, even sitting up in bed was really too much of an effort for him. And he just sort of whispered to me as best he could. He's in his early 90s. His body is closing down. He says, uh, uh, I'm determined to be faithful to Jesus to the end. And then he said, but it's so hard. So hard. He thought there's not much scope for going wrong there. I wonder if we're the kind of church that knows with the grey hairs or even the no hairs, uh, you know, how to kind of put the arm round and encourage to be on your guard. As well as with the youngsters. Guard yourself morally. Guard yourself doctrinally. Jesus uses this phrase about uh, his coming again, and it may well be Paul's implication here. The Corinthians could hardly be on their guard and watchful for a second coming that didn't really feature in their thinking. Uh, The uh, second coming is what gives urgency to ministry, and especially to a ministry that goes week after week after week in the same place. You know, visitors are always urgent because they always feel they've just got one shot at it. But, uh, you know, if you're kind of there week after week, there's always next week. Yes, but there is a clock ticking. Which means there isn't always next week. The second coming brings perspective to living, doesn't it? You know... That temptation that hits me and seems fun, actually in the light of Jesus' second coming, seems disastrous. When Paul writes to uh, Timothy, the young minister, in his first letter, he says this to him at the end of uh, one of his chapters. He says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save your hearers. Yeah, and then you go back and you read it properly and you see he's added three extra words. Watch your life and doctrine carefully. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Timothy, minister, reverend kiddo, be on your guard. It's easy, isn't it, to to mock careful Christians? You know, the the ones who seem to be uh, extra strict on themselves about what they'll watch on the telly or in the cinema? Or or, uh, meticulously scrupulous about any money that comes to them that must not only be right but be seen to be right? Uh, I know that they can sometimes get legalistic and impose it on others, but actually one of the things I've noticed is that they last. They last over the years. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Paul longs for this Corinthian church to be a church that is standing on the first importance of those issues he's raised in the previous chapter. The Christ who died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried, was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, uh, appeared. The danger for the Corinthians is that they're building their church around all kinds of other distinctions. A church that will stand firm against the tide of of a culture that in our case is shifting in its attitude to the Christian gospel. Normality is returning to this country. Instead of being Christian being normal and acceptable and respectable, 
Actually, the tide is turning. When I was converted as a student, a uh, Christian lifestyle might have seemed narrow, but it would have drawn grudging respect and admiration. Now, at so many points, it seems almost immoral to others. Well, that's normality. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Individually, collectively. Secondly, he says, if you look at verse 13, be men of courage, be strong. Literally, it's show yourselves to be men, play the man. It's not really a gender thing, it's a maturity thing he's writing about here. Uh, He'd written this to to them a, a little earlier when he'd been talking about spiritual gifts and the way they handled different people having different gifts. And he wrote to them and he said, brothers, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. It's kind of a long sentence for saying grow up. But it's actually been reflected throughout the letter from the the immaturity of their childish factions. They're all having to belong to this personality or that or the other uh, onwards. And Bible-believing Christians in this country need to learn how to put factions aside. Our ability to divide over almost nothing is frightening. Grow up, act like men. Childish squabbles, which are so heated when you're involved, seem so petty when they're looked at through adult lives, uh, eyes. And, and we need maturity, we need energies, we need strength for the vital task. Be strong, he says, which is literally be made strong. It's not a strength that's natural to us, inherent in Christians, it's God given. Uh, be strong, why? Well, look back, you see, at verses uh, 8 and 9. Here's Paul writing about his travel plans. He says, I'll stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. Gospel ministry will always have its opponents. But we tend to forget that. Uh, Yesterday, the uh, Church of Scotland as far as I could understand it, have ruled that their teaching on sexuality remains the same, a a biblical position, but actually uh, individual churches are free to break it and do something different. It's a trajectory they've been going on for some while and uh, some churches have already left because of it. And uh, one Christian friend of mine was involved in one of those churches. He just joined it when they made the decision to uh, leave that denomination. And uh, they lost the building, the manse. Uh, they got all kinds of uh, uh, abuse at them. And he wrote to the congregation. And amongst the things he said was this. He uh, mentioned a talk he'd been at about conflict in ministry and the response he got. One older minister said, I wish I'd heard that 40 years ago. His words have made me wonder whether there's been a whole generation of evangelicals who've not really been taught to expect conflict as a normal part of word ministry. 
Well, he said any Church of Scotland minister siding with this church in the recent disputes would have opened the door to potential difficulty, rejection by evangelical friends, loss of home and livelihood, loss of church building. The stakes are very high, and it's much more comfortable for people to believe that your leaders had behaved badly than entertain the possibility that they've been telling the truth. In short... He writes, though difficulties of this sort often arise in ministry, contemporary evangelical culture seems to be specifically conflict-averse. And this is one of the reasons the behavior of those who should have been supportive has been disappointing. Of course, the recent difficulties feel abnormal to us, but in reality, things like this have happened throughout Christian history and continue to happen all over the world today. For a minister to be threatened with loss of house and livelihood is a perfectly normal thing elsewhere. For a congregation to face the loss of its building is nothing unusual. Go to the Middle East. Go to Nigeria. In these recent difficulties, you've been experiencing a little of the corporate cost that all those who belong to and follow the Lord Jesus Christ always experience in one way or another. That all this has happened to you doesn't mean you've done things wrong or that you're being any less than godly. But it does mean if normality is returning to this country, we'll have to discover how to grow up and be made strong if we're going to stand firm in the faith. Yeah, be on your guard. Be mature. Lastly, verse 14, do everything in love. Do everything in love. That strength of verse 13 is not aggressiveness. And the Corinthians are sadly lacking in this love. Uh, he's written that whole famous chapter 13 to remind them. And it's often our weakness too, isn't it? Big, strong, Bible-teaching, Bible-believing churches. We can be theologically strong, but do we love the weak? You see, the Corinthians he writes to back in chapter 8 about food offered to idols, some of them were theologically very strong and definite. They knew idols were nothing. So what does it matter? But they were insensitive to the consciences of the weak trampled all over their brothers and sisters like that. He writes to them uh, about how knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Uh, We can be materially rich, but do we love the poor? Because that's the mark of a Christian community. It's not the mark of this one he's writing to here. Uh, They have, well, they don't have communion services like ours, which are all very well regulated, so this can't happen. They have a kind of bring your own communion service where you brought a meal and had it together, only uh, the well-off with the nice big hampers and uh, and the wine bottles and everything else. I mean, they came and and they pretty much finished before uh, the poorer people who couldn't get off work early, you know, uh, brought and only had the crumbs left. And they call this a sort of united service that's going to bring us together at the cross. You can be verbally gifted, and many a Corinthian was. 
But do you love the inarticulate? Or just look down at them? That's the whole point of much of those chapters about the gifts. Do everything, he says, in love. And the chapter's full of bits and pieces as models of what do everything in love will be. It's not warm fuzzies. I mean, the letter's full of strong rebukes and robust talking, and it, it, it shapes uh, the planning and the way they, they live all over the place. And it's not an add-on, this uh, love business. It's the atmosphere in which Christians live and minister and relate to one another. Do everything in love. It might have financial implications. That's how the chapter starts, isn't it? Now, about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do on the first day of every week. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And then when I arrive, I'll give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems advisable for me to go, also they'll accompany me. What he's raising money for is not himself. It's for famine-struck Christian brothers and sisters in a foreign country in Jerusalem. But he expects Christians here to have love for brother and sister Christians there, to show it practically. And you notice how very scrupulous he is about how the money is going to be handled. He's not going to take it. No, no, they can appoint people who will make sure that what happens to it is what's promised will happen to it. Or or it may be that love shows itself in hospitality. See, you look at verse verse 10. If Timothy comes, see to it he has nothing to fear while he's with you, for he's carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should refuse to accept it. I love Timothy, a visiting brother, or or Stephanus as well in verses 15 and 16. Uh, They've devoted themselves to the service of the saints, and I urge you, brothers... To submit to such as these and to everyone who joins in the work and labours at it. He loved me, you love them. He's worried they won't. But he wants them to realise a love for the gospel is reflected in a love for gospel people. A welcoming them into the fellowship. It shows itself in encouragement. You know, those last few verses... Far-off churches expressing love for them. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. You know, the Corinthians might well have had to get the map out to see where it was, but there is something encouraging, isn't it, when people who don't really know you but are, are praying for you suddenly send their love. This church means something to them. Says so at the end of verse 20, you see, all the brothers that here send you greetings, greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, that causes all kinds of problems for any Brit, isn't it? I mean, we're not allowed to. So we'll have the peace, which was the only time in my life I shook hands with my mother. Um, <laughs> uh, as you were mentioned, I think we've probably uh, grown as far as a holy hug at some times, uh, you know, as long as you do it carefully. Um, and some of them are just token hugs, aren't they? And others, if actually he and he were to actually hug each other, that would mean something. And the apostle loves as well. You notice verse 24, my love to all of you in Christ Jesus. 
Actually, if you know anything of this letter and of the next one, uh, you realize it's almost the most striking thing of all in the history of all, that this apostle is still loving the erratic, shambolic, arrogant, inconsistent group of Christians that's the church of God in Corinth. And if you read the next letter, you'll see how vulnerable that leaves him and how easy it is to break his heart but then you see that's what happens with love if I declare I love you I do make myself vulnerable because you may not love me in return I actually can't love people without making myself vulnerable be strong (laughs) yes but make yourself vulnerable do everything in love do everything in love love is the gospel oxygen the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you I was just talking with someone earlier uh, uh, you know, just the other, the other day they were commenting on I don't know whether you noticed it but uh, uh, a painting of Picasso's the women of Algiers uh, was sold I think it was by Christie's in New York for 115 million pounds the other day 115 million pounds for a painting in 10 years time it'll probably be worth far more or something and this person was just trying to get their mind around such a sum for a painting and they said I wish someone thought I was worth that I said they do eyes perked up I said, no, no, don't look for the cash sign. God so loved, he gave his one and only. He thinks you're priceless. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. You see, I I can't... I can't bask in that love that thinks I'm priceless. I can't have that as what gives me identity and belonging and not let it flow over to someone else. I can't declare God thinks you are priceless and not show any love to the you I declare God loves with his one and only. Do everything in love. kind of church what kind of people are we great guardians great guardians of life and doctrine pray God we are but if we're to be great guardians we need to be great lovers too or we're nothing the grace of the Lord Jesus Be with you. Amen.